in honor of this weekend's highlighting of Hebrew, I thought we would begin our Hebrew lesson tonight and see if we can connect the Hebrew lesson to something in the Parsha because I think there's a very strong connection between one of the letters here and the Parsha. The first letter on the top of the page is a bet. Everybody see that? A bet. And the shape of the bet is that of a house of sorts. It um, has a roof. It has a side wall and a floor. And one of the things about it that's most interesting is, is that the wall of the bet blocks access to the letter that came before it. If you were reading from right to left, there would be a letter to the right of the bet if you were setting up all 22 letters. And the deeper meaning of that, the rabbis say, is that bet, which is the letter with which we begin the book of Genesis, Bereshit, bet is the letter that is the second letter and as such has a numerical value of two. The letter bet represents duality, this world, the world of phenomena that have spatial elements and time elements. We live in form, and bet is the letter of form. Bet is the first letter that the Torah begins with, and it begged the question for the rabbis of what happened to Aleph. Why didn't you start with Aleph? Which, of course, led the Kabbalists, the rabbis before, and then the Kabbalists to say that our responsibility is to, to contemplate and to work with form, to work with this world. And the world of unity, of prior unity, of the ground of being, that ultimate place of unification, is a point of access for us. But for the most part, we deal with the world of two, of relationship between self and other, between inside and outside, between... Between, that word between is a bet word. So bet is the beginning of what's called in Kabbalah dirabatach tonim, God's home in this world, that the divine is found in tables and chairs, in eyes and ears, in the world of matter and form. Bet is that letter. And then we arrive at the second letter. The one in the middle here called Gimel. Can you all say that? Everybody say Gimel. 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 Gimel probably from the word Gamal, which means camel. Gimel and Gamal are the same word. And in fact, many say that the shape of the Gimel looks like a camel. Or, you can look at it, the middle letter, it has a vav a standing up straight vav, and a little yud leg. It has the quality of stability. The letter gimel is the numerical value of three, right? Bet was the second letter. Hebrew letters have numerical values. So gimel is the third, and it's stability. It's also movement. And it is a transitional letter between bet and dalid, the, third, the fourth letter, Gimel, in some of its meanings, has to do with gimilut, gomel, which means to bestow, to give. Just as a camel 
has what to give. It gives life force and vitality over a very long expanse of parched earth. The gimel, the gimel is, the rabbis and the Gemara say, is gomel dalim. The giving to the poor, the ones who don't have. And the last letter that's on your sheet here, the dalit, the dalit. The dalit here is a doorway because it's dalit is delet, it is a door. Can everybody say dalit? Dalit. And it also, say the rabbis, comes from the word for poor, dal. Daloti. I'm dal, I'm poor, I'm impoverished. And they actually make a, a play on the gimel and the dalit. That the gimel, the gimel gives to the dalit. That in the sequence of the letters there's actually a story embedded. Gomel dalim is gimel to dalit. Gimel gives to the Dalit. That's, we're not yet even in the Parsha. So we'll start, stop there. Everybody got that so far? Now listen to this Torah from the Baal Shem Tov, and then we'll come back to the Parsha. The Baal Shem Tov says that if you take these three letters, Bet, Gimel, Dalit, together, they spell a word. They spell a couple of words. But one of them is Beged. Everybody get that? So the B of the Bet, the top letter, and the G on the second letter, and the third letter, Dalit, is Beged. Beged means garment or clothing. So listen to what he says. After the Aleph of primal unity, the first letter, which also has the numerical value of unity of one, we fell into a world of tov and ra and good and evil. And the immediate consequence in our myth in the Torah is what? What happens as soon as we fall from that place of unity? We have to be clothed. Beged. Beged Letter 2, 3, and 4 is a direct result of leaving Aleph. But it also means boged. Beged is one word spelled by these three letters, but another word, boged, means to betray. God bless you. To betray. Boged, or a traitor, means that clothing or the things we wear can betray who we really are. And they can also express who we really are. Bed Gimel Dalit, a little lesson tonight on Bed Gimel Dalit. Back to the Parsha. <laughs> I focused on the second letter, the Gimel, because Gimel is derived from probably Gamal, which means camel. And if one were to look carefully at this, this week's Torah portion, you will find the word Gamal, Gimel, appear in an ordinate number of times in the 24th chapter of Chaye Sarah. This week's Parsha is a funeral and a wedding. It begins with saying goodbye to Sarimenu, to Sarah the matriarch. Sarah is buried in Kever, in a, in a grave. And immediately Abraham, who at this point is clearly estranged from Isaac because Isaac hasn't been seen for a full chapter, he's still concerned about Isaac. He wants to make sure that Isaac will be able to continue life to the third generation. He needs to set up a situation where that third generation will take place in this third parsha from the call of, Isaac, of Abraham. Lech Lecha, Vayera, and Chaisara. In this third parsha, Abraham is interested in the third generation. How will Isaac be able to continue the new way 
that I have begun. And so the second chapter in this, this week's reading, chapter 24, is the longest chapter in all of Genesis. And it is essentially a shidduch. It's a match. It's a match that Abraham will make for Isaac. And Isaac, of course, is passive. Isaac doesn't really have anything to do with this. And so I need you to follow me. Because I frankly have been bothered by this for a couple of years, and I don't even think I have it tonight. I don't know. I'll need your help, and I'll need your help over the long haul to try to figure out this story because it's one of those biblical stories that is so beautiful and so powerful because of the language and because of the message. So Abraham brings his servant, we don't know the name of the servant, and he says, Swear to me that you will take a, you will take a wife for my son Isaac from my old neighborhood, from Haran. Go there. And find there a wife. And promise me, swear to me, that you will never bring my son back to that neighborhood if you don't. And he says, the, the servant says, well, what if there's no one there for him? So Abraham, obviously on his deathbed, and these are the final words of Abraham the patriarch. He doesn't speak again in Genesis. He never speaks again. He says, then you are going to be cleansed of this oath. If you can't find a wife for my son Isaac in that place, in Haran, where I come from, then that's the end of the line. So this servant sets off, and the Torah decides to tell us that he, the servant is taking ten gemalim, ten gimels, ten of these camels. And the Torah then will repeat that it's ten, not eight, not nine, not eleven, not twelve, ten camels. And Eliezer, I'm sorry, we know later that it's Eliezer, or the Midrash says Eliezer, this servant of Abraham will go to a particular watering hole, and he'll stand by the watering hole, and he'll set up a test. And the test will be, he says out loud to God, he says to God, please, this will be the test by which I will know who is the Bashert. Not J-date and match, and, and uh, although, I mean, Right? I don't know how many people. I've done it. I did it when I was much. So this will be the way that I know who my wife is. This is the wife for my, my uh, servant, uh, my, uh, my master's son, Isaac. This is the way I'm going to know. I will ask her for a drink. And if she says to me, you can drink, the gam ligmalecha ashke, and also your camels, your gimels, I will also, I will also quench their thirst. That one, that's the one that has proven to be, that'll be the one. She's the one. Fast forward, and Rebecca arrives on the scene. Rebecca, who is the one, as Reb Jill said last year in one of the most beautiful Divrei Torahs, I can't believe, you know, I can't, if you haven't heard this Divrei Torah from Reb Jill last year, go on the Roman website and listen to I Will Go, one of the most beautiful Divrei Torahs you'll ever hear. So Rabjil said last year that Rebecca is the one who will say a lech, I will go. And she arrives at the Ein Hamayim, she arrives at the, at the watering hole. And no sooner has it happened, and the servant, it's so beautiful, the servant is watching, he, he can't believe that it's actually happening. He just said it, and, and, and it, terribly, he, didn't, he didn't even get up his mouth, right? He didn't even get up his mouth, and already this sign is being accomplished. And he's dumbfounded. And Rebecca fulfills exactly what the test was. 
and he, he goes back to the home. And in the home, he tells everybody, the Torah tells us the whole story over again with all of the camels again. And Elliot, the, the servant, tells it over for those who weren't there. It's a replay. And then she finally says, I will go. And then this scene, and here's where we're going to focus in, and then we're going to come to a landing. She goes with the servant. And there's this pivotal moment, and this is the moment of the story Isaac is coming back from a place called Be'er L'chayr Ro'i. Isaac is visiting. The Torah tells us he's bo mi bo. He's coming back from a place in the Torah called Be'er L'chayr Ro'i. The Torah tells us where he's coming from. And he sees in the distance, Vayar, he lifts up his eyes in language that is evocative of the Yakedah, of the sacrifice of Isaac, where his father looked up as well, Vayar, and he sees, and he sees what? Gimels coming. He sees Gimels on the way. And then this, this is it. She lifts up her eyes, meaning Rebecca. And she sees Yitzchak in exact parallel language. He lifted his eyes and saw Gmalim. She lifts her eyes and sees who? Isaac. And then the next three words. Vatipol me'al ha'gamal. And she falls off of the gimel. I've been bothered by this for a while. And I haven't found, I found many people talking about it. Here's what they say. First of all, the, the, the whole point of the gimels was to teach you 10 camels drink about 25 gallons of water. 25 gallons each. So about 250 gallons of water for 10 camels. Imagine somebody would say, here, have a cup of water, and I'll also get you 250 gallons of water and bring it back. Right? So that's a pretty impressive person. It reminds us of the Gemara who says that there are three traits that Jews have, that they are baishanim, and they're gomlei chesed. Gomle chesed means they are gimeling chesed. Right? They give, they bestow chesed. So that's one reason for the camels. Great, simple, beautiful. The teachers, how great Rebecca was. And she was. Great. And why did she fall off the camel? Some people say she didn't really fall off. Some people say it's to teach us derech eretz and sniut, to teach us modesty. She didn't fall off. She just, she assumed the posture of, of domesticity vis-a-vis her future husband. And she would become, to some degree, right, not as Rebecca-esque as she was before. She would learn X, Y, and Z to be a little bit more of a, quote, unquote, good wife. I don't like that. <laughs> Some people said that she was, she was riding, she was riding um, regular saddle, which wasn't befitting of, of a Tsanua woman. And now falling off means that she went and she rode side saddle. Okay, also don't like that one. Okay. Here's, here's, here's my take on it, Okay. Here's my take on it, and it's in, it's in development. The second time the Torah tells us the word gamal appears in the whole Torah, the first time it's about camels, and the second time is the weaning of Isaac. To wean somebody in Hebrew is also gemilah. It holds a paradox. It is withholding milk and giving, bestowing kindness. The same letter, the same gamal, 
because a camel withholds water in order to give water. A camel is a, an animal that knows how to make it from a place where there is water to a place where there is more water, and in between there is a barren wasteland. The camel has that capacity. It even has a third eye, believe it or not, not Hindu third eye. It has a third eye that actually helps it if there are irritants that, in, that get inside the eye. It knows how to be in the desert. And Isaac is higamel. He becomes a gamal. Because Isaac lived his life in a parched way. The most important trauma of Isaac's life might not have been the akedah. It might have been that his brother, the one whom he was laughing with, was at a place called Be'er L'chai Ro'i. That's where we know that name from because Be'er L'chai Ro'i is the place where Hagar had been sent out and she was parched. There was no water in Be'er L'chai Ro'i. The biggest trauma in his life was that there was no water. His brother was going to die in Be'er L'chai Ro'i. And where is Isaac coming from at the end of the parsha here? He's coming from the place where there was no water, where there was no hope, where it was arid. And it was only a miracle and lifting of the eyes of Hagar that there was water. And so Isaac knows what it is to live without water. He knows what it does to a family. He knows what it does to a, a human life. And he himself was a camel who was bearing the burden of a family that lacked water. So here comes Isaac from Be'er L'chai Ro'i. And the test that will be the test of that woman, who will be the woman that can be with Isaac, the Isaac who is obsessed with how could there not have been water? How could my father send out my brother and his mother into a place without water? That's where he's coming from. How could that happen? How can I trust someone like that? Like my father, Abraham. And along comes Rebecca. Rebecca, the woman who said in repeating Abraham's words, I will go, lech lecha, elech, I will go, who will be in so many ways a tikkun, a fixing for what happened to Isaac. And Isaac lifts his eyes and all he can see are the gemalim. All he can see is the promise that there will be water, the promise that there will be comfort, there will be compassion, there will be healing, that it's possible that he doesn't have to keep carrying the burden of living, carrying through the desert what he's been carrying for so long. And Rebecca, in her infinite wisdom, she falls off of the camel as if to say, stop looking at the camel. Let me be your camel. Let me be the one that will hold you. Let me in. Let me be the one who will know how to irrigate those places that are parched in you, Yitzchak. Let me be the one, because I am the one who knows. I know how to water camels. And you, Yitzchak, you're a camel. And I have it. I will support you. I will be that for you. Stop obsessing about where it is and when it is that you will be supported. You will be supported. The single most difficult thing in relationships is the ability to 
to feel as if somebody can get in deeply enough to hold us. That somebody can promise us a promise that we can trust in and release into. To be able to fall off of the gamal is, is to say that it is this loving connection between Rebecca and Isaac that itself will be the tikkun, that will be the healing for a soul that was so weighed down with the burden of living a life the way Isaac had been living. To be gomel chesed means to be someone who gives love means that we are able to stand in and make a promise. To make a promise to an Isaac and say to him, I won't leave you. To make a promise to an Isaac and say, I get where you've been coming from. To stand in and say, me too. Me too. This week, I, you know, I, I tried doing the snap challenge and I, I emphasized the word try. Because like camels that have to load up before they go out into the desert, you can't imagine how hard it is to live on $5 a day if you haven't thought in advance about the desert that lies before you. So here I am having thought, okay, I'll just limit my $5 of expenses and that'll be it, I'll be fine. But what I realized was is that just as there are places in New York that I can't go to to buy dinner because it would actually set up can I pay my rent at the end of the month or, or pay for this dinner? When you live in New York City and you're living on $5 a day, every single restaurant is that restaurant. Every single restaurant that, I go in, that you go into is saying to you, buy this cup of coffee, buy this dish, or spend clothing for your kids' socks. So my first day, I hadn't planned this out. And I had $5, and I met a friend at Starbucks for a study session. <laughs> and I thought that I would buy a cup of coffee. I thought, how much can a cup of coffee cost? And before I knew it, I'd already spent half of my $5 on one single cup of coffee. And I remember vividly being at the cash register and saying to myself, it's $2.01. I hope she gives me back a full $3 because I need that penny. So this week, we are... Raising up Rebecca, whose name, by the way, has the letters Hakever in it, the grave. And she certainly is the one who heals the burial of Sarah. We're raising up a woman who embodied what it is to know what another needed before he even said it. We're raising up a woman who was able to fall off of the Gamal, to fall off of that other place of Gimilah, of sustenance that she could stand in and support Isaac. And I want to bless each and every one of you. New God, please bless each and every one of us. That when people show up at our doorsteps, that we also fall off of the camel to meet them eye to eye. That as we look around a city that is still healing from Hurricane Sandy, and as we look around at a city that is bracing for Tremendous cuts in gemilut, in giving and love and compassion in the way of food stamps and other nutritious options. That you open our hearts, that we too run with alacrity to get 250 gallons of water for all of those who are parched. Give us the strength to be like Rebecca, the courageous one, who knew how to answer the call 
and who knew how to sustain and nourish another. Let us say, Amen.